GM everyone, welcome to Fyro DeFi, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave, here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And this time around, we've had some real professional flywheelers on. We had the guys on of Cheetow, My Finance, Pablo the Penguin, and Benjamin Lenz. Kit, what do you think of this one? Dude. I re- I think they've just became my favorite founder set. Like these two, that's, an, the that's a strong two, statement. Yeah, because yeah, we've yeah. had a lot of founders on. So like for you to say that, that's really something. Yeah, this founder set though. I don't know if I like them set. separately yet. You know, I haven't vibe yeah. checked them separately. They're, but they're, as a they're set, truly true. Like two, two peas in a pod on this pod, and we get right into it. And we're not going to waste any time. So make sure you subscribe to us at flywheeloutput.com to catch all the latest alpha and updates. And there were a lot of alpha. There was a lot of alpha in this one. And you want to listen to this one towards the end. And if you want to keep up with all the alpha on Flywheel, make sure you hit that bell button and subscribe to our YouTube. Let us know what you think in the comments. Give us a like. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at FlywheelDefi. Join the Telegram at FlywheelDefi. You can follow me on Twitter at DefiDave22. Follow me at 0xCapital underscore K. And let's get the Flywheel spinning. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. Uh, Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Flywheel DeFi. And today we have on the fellas of Cheetow. Cheetow or Cheetow? It's uh, Cheetow. Yeah. Cheetow. Cheetow. Okay. Cheetow, my finance. We have on Pablo the Penguin and Ben J Man. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, let's get right into it. Um, I didn't want to uh, cut you off before. Um, and you were going into the, into the name of Cheetow, why you guys chose it, why you guys started with this theme of Eastern philosophy. Uh, can you go back into it and explain um, everything that you were just saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at its core, we wanted to make it hard for people to pronounce the name because... Um, oh, you got me. You got me. There you go. I mean, if you go to Argentina, like they are adamant that it's Kidao. And they would look at me and say, no, it is Kidao and shut up. Uh, but it is Chidao. And it's, you know, it goes back to Chi, which is like strength. And Dao is like the way of... Um, and it all relates back to Taoism. Uh, Taoism being started by Lao Tzu, uh, who mm-hmm. you'll see in our logo. It's like this old Chinese guy. Um, but yeah, so the reason we really like Taoism is because it's all about not doing anything and letting nature flow the way it's supposed to flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ties back to our idea that the protocol shouldn't have any agency and everything should be at a user level. Right, so we shouldn't really be moving any money around. We shouldn't be holding people's funds. Mm-hmm. Everything should be completely at at a core, depending on the actions of our users. I don't know if Paulo, you want to add anything to that? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's also the um, um, the structure of the protocol aspect where it kind of relates a little bit where you take the strength of your token and you uh like something yeah i yeah i want to go into um you guys were talking about Taoism, and i'm a huge fan of alan watts um 
I remember at one of the first crypto conferences I ever went to, believe it or not, it was Alan Watts's daughters were there. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was a uh, BlockCon in 2018. Um, I remember Naval and uh, Nassim Talib had like a back and forth fireside chat. It was really random. But I remember like talking to, um, you know, Alan Watts's daughter and they were selling his uh, book with all his letters and stuff. And um, I'm like, think, you know, when he, when Alan Watts like talks about Taoism, it's like, oh, like be like, what you like, you, if you try to describe the Tao, then it's not the Tao. Like you can't right. describe it. It just is. Um, and so like, how do you take that philosophy of like your protocol just being is? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, at first we really wanted to take it all the way and like make it super like philosophy. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, the community, um, kind of had like, okay, you know, we're still, we want to make money. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So like <laughs> everybody was as interested as me in making every tweet, uh, related to Taoism. Um, we, we tried at first, but it was like, we found the happy medium. And so I guess that kind of relates back as well. Right. Cause like, what's that happy medium? Um, that we don't really talk about philosophy too much, but we embody the philosophy in the way that we set up the protocol. So guys, I actually want to take a step back further and get to know a bit about your, your background. Uh, l l let's start with Pablo the Penguin here. So like, like this background is a uh, Oh No, 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 bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Your personal background, please. Personal background. Well, personally, um, I'm a computer science uh, background. That's kind of a lot of what I did on my free time for a uh, pretty long time. Um, love to play soccer and sports, do swimming a lot. It's more personal on that side, hobbies. But yeah, a huge fan of building and creating things that uh, can effectively sustain themselves over time, especially uh, code bases that are able to kind of evolve over time and adapt with a changing, uh, well, changing environments as people kind of have some ideas one day and they decide, oh, well, we're not going to do this anymore, but you can still use the same systems. I think that's, there, there's so much value in being able to build something that you can continue to use over time. And Benjamin, what about you? Yeah. Uh, so my, my background is more on the finance side. Um, I really like math. I probably will tell you, I'll look at graphs for fun. Um, in Twitter, you'll see me. Nerd. I'm just random kidding. Stuff. <laughs> um, Don't worry. I am too. Don't worry. I, I love, I love, uh, I love that side of things. And that's what really appealed to me in crypto because it's kind of like finance, everything I like about finance, but so malleable because you can do anything with it. Right. And then you can move it around to different protocols. It's just the interoperability. So, um, it's so appealing to me. So. Pablo has the computer science background. Benjamin, you have the finance background. You guys must really complement each other well, considering that. Yeah. Um, do you guys like see that d dynamic play out practically like day to day or like when you're planning the future of the protocol? Yeah, yeah. all the time. I think, uh, you know, with um, like, I'll figure out how to code it. Benjamin will figure out how to like uh, explaining like five different languages for starters. You know, that's like the easy. <laughs> easy compliment. Um, then you add the finance background and he's able to look at this and make models around how it works. And then we can go back and forth about liquidation engines. We can go back and forth about 
how to properly calculate uh, liquidity parameters and um, the security of a certain LP versus another LP and on a chain. So you're able to really dive deep with the finance side and then take that and put it closer to the, uh, the computer science side. Yeah, Benjamin, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, being able to understand things from a technical standpoint and then translating that to the liquidity part is very important because you look at all the stablecoin failures of last year, most of them were because the economics didn't pan out because mm. people didn't really think about it. Obviously, you get the, you know, the more technical things where like, you know, somebody forgot to write non-reentrant. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that's about, but apparently you're supposed to write it every other line of code. Uh, <laughs> and when people don't do that, you get hacked, I guess. Um, but most of, most of the hacks, most of the failures are just economic failures. Yeah. And when this interview comes out, it's going to be right before, if not on, uh, Cheetah's birthday, uh, May, right. my fourth, as you guys have told me. Um, so congrats on sur- not only surviving, but thriving. You guys have on multiple chains, you know, you guys have a thriving community, thriving, you know, on-chain economy. What do you think is the key to uh, Cheetah's staying power and your success? Uh, I think we could take different angles. Pablo, maybe you can go first. Yeah, I think uh, one of the main things for from our, the programming side is really important to be able to have reusable code blocks and being able to understand this is one piece of work that we do and focusing on, for example, lending engines and letting oracles well, be oracles and we don't, we're not going to try to rebuild that because, you know, some people have spent so many years working on those and certain types of auto compounders, which already provide a lot of the proper infrastructure for users. So we tried over the last two years, we realized that it's very important to figure out what you're great at and Mm. partner and collaborate with teams to be able to create those harmonious systems. What is what are you guys great at? Stable coins. Stable coins. <laughs> we what we if, focus yeah. on the on the CDP side, like okay. know, being able to lend against these assets that most protocols are not able to figure out how to lend against. Um, you look at, for example, Curve LPs. Nobody is lending against Curve LPs, and those who have tried have gotten burned because it's very difficult to make oracles that are like well, good enough. Uh, is that the main problem with uh, lending against Curve LPs, the oracles, or is there it's something oracles, else? With- and it's also teams that just don't, are not aware of the reality. I mean, they're not just, they're not like following the industry. I mean, there's so many hacks. There were non-reentrant hack uh, for Curve LPs. <laughs> Everybody gets hacked. I mean, all these like <laughs> brand new stable coins launch and they think they can make an oracle, but they don't take the time to read about the hacks that have happened in the past. And they all keep getting hacked with the same hack. It's like, yeah. like clockwork. Like it's like Groundhog Day. Right. One of the most important things, you know, you, if you're going to be adding a certain collateral, maybe do a quick Google search and say, are there any hacks based on this collateral? Super low level, low level, low hanging fruit. Um, but uh, yeah. So has anybody done the Curve LP as collateral yet or just no, no one's figured it out yet? So Mim and Dai had it, but there was mm. a critical bug and they had to deprecate it. Um, and then currently we're the only ones that do it. Uh, I think we're like 40% of Curve's LP on Optimism, for example. Uh, but we also take it on uh, Ethereum and an Arbitrum. Uh, doesn't, I guess, well, Frax is in a CDP, but doesn't it, it, it owns, it's like Curve LP tokens, which backs yeah. it. Well, it's so different, it's, right? It's because different. It's di- it, like yeah. AMOs, which by the way, I really like the AMO model. Uh, 
it's, it's like, it's very like uh, bossy and it works. Uh, and I think it's uh, really helped Frax have a very low cost of capital. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I really like that model, but I think it's a bit different from ours just because mm. we're talking more about like having the user have the agency via these CDPs. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but it's, it's similar vein. Yeah, so, and I'll, I'll go ahead, Kent. So, so Benjamin, um, you know, I, I really want to go back to what Dave's first question was like, what do you think is the staying power of my after two years? And, you know, in crypto years, it's way longer than dog years, right? So, yeah. you know, you guys are still yeah. here. So please share. What do you think, you know, enabled uh, my to be here around this long? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a ride, uh, <laughs> especially last year was very difficult for everybody, um, you know, especially like being able to manage the narratives because after the Luna crash, everybody thought all stable coins were Luna. Um, and so that was difficult. But I think I, first I have to agree with Pablo, partnerships, right? We partner with everybody. I mean, you go to any chain that you might have heard of, you know, Arbitrum, Optimism, uh, Polygon, Ethereum. Well, Ethereum less, right? We haven't gone so much in Ethereum, but we partner with most people. I mean, you name a protocol and we probably partnered with them. And that's, that's really helped us spread our kind of net um, and the uh, cheat out philosophy. Right, right, right. And also like, as Paula said, since we're not coding everything ourselves, since we're relying on experts in their particular fields, that lowers the chances that there's issues. Um, but then what I would focus on is risk management. I think we have probably one of the best, if not the best risk management frameworks out there. Um, if you go to my.watch, you can look at all of the assets that we have and we track everything. I mean, we track on-chain liquidity, we track slippage, we track centralization of the LPs. Like, can a whale just take out all the liquidity and you know increase the slippage out of nowhere? And because of that, um, we have very good liquidations. I mean, you look at what just happened with USDC when it depegged. We had no bad debt uh, because of that, so it was very nice liquidations. Uh, we didn't have really any issues, and that ties back to the decision making that was made when we were looking at risk management. Wait, can we go into my watch a bit more? So that's your analytics site. And does it have the balance sheet of my as of my as well? And as along with all these different analytics and tracking? Yeah, yeah. so it has the oh. balance sheet as in like the collateral backing mm -hmm. uh, my and it will tell you, you know, what collaterals back us by like the grading by the by the chain, um, by the type of collateral. Um, yeah. Uh, Pablo, were you going to say something? Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things is just being able to look at like percentage of debt and looking at what is most popular within the protocol or being able to uh, just open up the new ones. And, like what, when we were, oh, this looks like someone added Frax Ethan here. What? What? The risk managers are getting ready. Uh, that's oh, like, let's go we'll, into we'll, that. So you guys are adding Frax E? We're talking about it. I think that's something like we're, we're going through all the uh, the risk due diligence, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. and also engaging with mm -hmm. the FRAX community and seeing what they want. Because at the end of the day, if we make something that people don't like, there's no point, right? Doing it. And so yeah. I, I went in actually to the telegram of FRAX and people were really nice, so nice, so many emojis. Um, like, yeah. So we might be adding it. And like, everybody's like, oh, I love it. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? 
I said allegedly. <laughs> We're still at the assessment stage, and then there's the voting stage, and mm. there, there. yeah, we have to vote. We so, really can't make decisions. Yeah. Um, so it's a chi dao for a reason. Yeah. Um, so how have you guys partnered with Frax in the past? Because you guys have done quite a few things together over the past few years. Yeah, I mean, we've partnered left and right. Um, it's no secret that we're the most cross-chain stablecoins, right? We're everywhere. And a lot of the original stablecoins uh, decided, or maybe not, but it ended up just staying on ETH or staying on ETH plus maybe one or two chains. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these DEXs on other chains needed stablecoins. And oftentimes you'll see FraxMai as one of the larger LPs. And that's because we're constantly partnering on these new launches. Uh, you look at the Solidly forks, always. I mean, Frax and Mai are, I don't, I can't name a single Solidly fork that's big that doesn't have Frax and Mai. Um, and that's because we've been very active with your team on helping those Solidly forks launch and then supporting them via bribes, co-marketing, et cetera. Hmm, let's go with the flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nader's been great. I just want to give a shout out to Nader. Absolute Chad. Uh, Nader. Nadir. Is it Nadir? Uh, Nadir? Yeah. I, can't, do you, I think it's Nader or Nadir. It's one, I, one or the other. Yeah. But yeah, no, Nadir's a, an absolute Chad. Like, he's been managing all the partnerships and governance. Uh, I probably talk to him the most regularly on the Frax team, um, you know, just setting things up for him. So, shout out Nadir. Working hard. Yeah. So, you know, I, I want to ask you, Benjamin, how do you you know decide who to partner with? Yeah, I mean, I don't decide who to partner with, right? I just, I talk to people that I think could have a benefit to our DAO and people that we could possibly benefit. And then, you know, we really, we really just talk over the synergies and then we approach our DAO to then decide, you know, are we going to mm -hmm. partner or not? Um, but in general, we try to partner with as many people as possible. We try to partner with honest yeah. builders. And so um, that usually goes down to just getting on a call and kind of assessing how, like, um, how they behave themselves, what their values are. And that was very important last year. I mean, we had opportunities to uh, partner with a lot of culty stable coins. I'm not going to name names. Uh, mm. And a lot of very colorful communities. And uh, we didn't because we instantly identified that they did not share our values. Um, funny uh, VCs and investment. Oh yeah, and all these VCs and certain centralized stable coins. I mean, centralized uh, exchanges that were promising us huge CVL. I mean, we could have probably reached a billion less uh, bull market. But it would have been sustainable. It, it would have been... gone down to zero. I mean, which my would yeah. not exist today uh, if we had been in the Apple. And it was difficult not to do yeah, it. Yeah, it is tempting. But yeah. it sounds like at Mai's core, you literally went with the DAO. You just, you know, were, you just saw where the opportunities were. And you basically just, you went with what, you stayed true to your values and you aligned with other projects and protocols that were value aligned, such as Strax right. as well. It's the vibes. It's the vibes. It's, vibe. it's all vibe I check. The ultimate Most vibe. of our partnerships with at least partied once with them. <laughs> yeah. So like we Maybe really check the vibes, guys. We really do. Uh, yeah. And I think I, there's a, uh, yeah. probably a picture going out there with pirate costumes, maybe horses and Stani and us. Like I, I <laughs> us, but 
it was like a loaded scene. Uh, but yeah, no, we definitely. Can't worry that I think I've seen. I think I've seen that picture floating around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping that would just get not be anywhere when the sushi thing happened. So. Yeah, we're like we're wondering should we post it, but then like no, no, I don't want to. I don't want to thing just hide it. Like yeah. no, no horses, no horse, only penguins. Yeah, only penguins. Only penguins. <laughs> and and uh, and monkeys, because you know uh, our governor Sokin is chi, so a lot of people in our DAO call themselves chimps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you see like monkey. Emojis going around. That's what's up. Monkeys. Yeah. Apes. Yeah, we're not chimps. It's chimps. <laughs> right, right. So, so how did you guys get this sense of, of community activism, or rather, just like having an active community? And how do you embed that vibe into the community? I mean, it's like engaging with people uh always engaging with people and being active i mean i saw this also in the telegram of frax you know you'll see sam you'll see travis active in their communities and we always thought that was important um my my first like intro to like crypto communities was you know when one inch was launching um you know make it out like the early days and like you see the founders super active answering questions from everyone and i thought wow that's so like amazing because I used to do M&A at one point and there's no way I would be able to reach out to the CEO of JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs and like get answers right having worked at another bank Um, but in crypto you can and I think that's amazing and I think we should really keep that uh, as we start scaling yeah that is really cool to think about that you can ask a question and then boom the founder's right there to personally answer it it's kind of like how Back in the 1800s, I'm not sure if you realize this, but anybody could go wait online at the White House and go ask the president a question or bring up a concern with them. There's actually quite a famous scene in the movie Lincoln with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, where mm-hmm. it was like the opening scene. And like, there's literally like people that go into the, off- the president's office to ask him a question. And we're kind of at that stage in crypto where you can basically, I mean, granted, yeah, we're not like going to a physical office, but... The office is all virtual and the White House is the Telegram or the Discord and people are right. just asking questions right there. Uh, yeah, and it's amazing. I, I don't know how it's going to work when we have more users because actually we have very low users. I mean, in general, as an industry, I I did a lot of pains. You know, I told you I really like numbers. I was going through like the user amounts of these different large CDPs. You know, MakerDAO only has 2,700 active lenders. 2,700 active lenders. Only that which is insane. Uh, uh, maybe another, like in the future when we have, I don't know, millions, it could be harder um, to be 101. But let's, I, we, I guess we can enjoy it for now. Yeah. yeah. So, so where are you guys at? If, if Maker is 2,700. Oh, I, I, this is not planned, you know? Uh, no, we have uh, 10,000 active lenders. Uh, yeah, it's a lot more, it's a lot more. And that's because we're on chains where people can afford to loan. Um, yes, that's really important. Yeah, I was doing the math. I was surprised because, like, we're very humble. Like, we don't we don't think we're bigger than Maker or Liquidity or these. <laughs> so to see like us having so many more users was very impactful. I think a lot of them are in Argentina because uh, mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot of Argentinians in our DMs. So I'm, I'm I'm really thinking that's what it is. We don't track, so I have no way of knowing. Um, but yeah. So um, you guys mentioned, you know, Maker, Liquidy, and 
you know, when we talk about those, I, I like to think of the stablecoin trilemma because they're all at different points of the stablecoin trilemma. Like Liquidity, they really prioritize decentralization. You know, Maker really prior and Frax prioritize scaling, uh, and of course, like decentralization. But it's really like the scaling is is you know having a balance is the way to go. So, what is your guys' take on the stablecoin trilemma, and how does my approach it? Yeah, I mean, Liquidity did focus on decentralization. Uh, maker of, on governance, we focused on like economic decentralization. Um, you know, as I mentioned in the risk dashboard, having a variety of collateral backing you. I think we're one of the few uh, remaining multi-collateral CDPs, right? Because we focus so much on spreading the basket. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's what I would say there. Like that's kind of the hill we we chose to to build on. Um, on the stable coin the hill to build on i like that yeah uh, yeah benjamin really likes to talk about like the pillars i think that's a pretty interesting like spin on the trilemma um <clears throat> but where we look at the operations what were the other one the other two yeah so like the pillars the pillars yeah. that we look at are like um you know stability diversification usage uh and risk management like, I think that's like the things that really like make Chirao what it is. Um, right now, as of quarter one, 2023, we're the most stable, decentralized stable coin, uh, mostly because we were able to be less impacted by the USDC DPEG. Usually we're not the most decent, uh, the, the most stable, decentralized stable coin. I think Frax and DAI take that usually. Um, but that's something we're very excited about. Usage is huge. Um, if you like take the volume, of uh, Chirao or of my and divided by the market cap, uh, we're the highest. I mean, it's it's pretty high. Um, if you think of other ways of measuring usage, please let me know because um, yeah. I am. Do you know what people take out these uh, CDP vaults for with my? Um, is it to degen on chain? Is it for real world loans and expenses? Uh, have you guys gotten feedback or input from the community about that? Yeah, so much feedback. I mean, most people like on chain, what they do is that they'll huddle their native assets on the chains that they like. Like, let's say I'm, I'm on Polygon. I love Matic. Okay. I'm going to borrow my against my Matic. And now I have a bunch of my that I can use on 25 chains. Let me go farm around. Right. And so they are basically getting yield against their Matic while being able to hold a Matic in the chain that they trust the most. Um, mm. so that's something a lot of people do. Obviously, I mean, some people do the, you know, um, borrowing to buy stuff in the real world, which they can do because we have off ramps with things like Pelerin, uh, direct to your bank account, actually, uh, instant, instant transfers. What's it uh, called? Mount Pelerin? Mount Pelerin. Huh? M Mount Pelerin. Like Mount, Mount Pelerin. Yeah. It's like this Swiss company. Um, very cool. Very cool company. Um, yeah. And then uh, some people lever, like we take GDI, which is gains network dies collateral, and you can lever it. We charge we charge a pretty good fee on it, uh, just because that's like the risk store protocol. But I think when you lever it, you get like two, three X what you normally would get on gains. So it's, I'm on it. I'm having fun with it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm high on my own supply. <laughs> Be careful, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I almost feel dirty asking this just because of the way the philosophy and the vibe is right now. But how do you guys make money? Like, where is the revenue? Oh, they have the redemption fee. Or like when you pay back the loans, right? You take how do we make money? That is, yeah, we have the redemption fee. You see DeFi Dave did his homework. 
Like yeah, <laughs> I've read your docs before this. So I refreshed. Yeah. Because you guys have zero percent interest. Yeah. Um, and right. so your value prop is like this is exactly what you said. It's like, hey, I want to earn interest on you know my favorite chain that I feel the most secure on. So you just like you know whether it's Matic or like something. Now you have all these LSDs coming out. Um, getting <laughs> getting high on your LSDs. That's really funny. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I see the I see the value prop with mine. And then like once you like mint the my against the CDP vault, it's like okay, where can I have fun? Maybe I can go to another chain and do it, or like oh, like you know, I I see it. Yeah, and we have different products. Like we have uh, these vaults, like uh, a stake ETH, right, where we don't charge uh, interest like our traditional vaults, but we charge a performance fee, so we, a small percentage of the yield that you're earning on the collateral, you know, will be deducted but only from the yield, right? Not from the collateral. And that's how we're able to keep 0% interest loans, which is important because at least me personally, when I'm minting or I'm borrowing, I don't want the CDR to change constantly because then it's, it's just another thing I have to think about when I'm looking at my mm-hmm. loan to value. So that stuff, right. again, you know, high on your own supply, right? Uh, it's something that I really enjoy. Um, but there are other options. Recently, the DAO approved a couple of different shorter term loans for people that want to pay interest and no repayment fee. Um, So we have those, for example, Arbitrum launched yesterday um, and others are coming as well, like CRV that's been Mm -hmm. pretty popular on, on, uh, on Ethereum. Yeah. Um, One second, guys, I just got uh, an issue. It says, uh, Pablo, your browser doesn't allow for recording. Uh, Hold on. Let me pause this. Okay, guys. Um, We talked about my for a little bit. Um, I kind of want to get into uh, DeFi in general um, because you guys have a pretty interesting perspective being builders on the ground, on the chain. Um, as of recently, what are some noticeable trends that you've seen in DeFi? In general, there's been um, a lot of re- rehashing of the idea of MEV. So looking at how do you optimize for transactions so that there is less time, for example, for liquidations? You uh, you have a transaction that goes in that changes the price. And then you have another transaction that goes in and potentially executes a change in the loan. Um, we've seen a few protocols pushing the idea of uh, like extracting value from different angles to be able to create a more efficient system because the ideally, I mean, the less time that uh, the loan is risky or liquidatable is better for the protocol as it makes it healthier and quicker to react to a big uh, well price change. So seeing a, a big trend o- over that, where whether it's, uh, I don't know, doing the Oracle change or looking at bundling of transactions, which is really helped by, you know, all these account abstraction model uh, uh, applications where you can just submit like a bunch of different um, actions you want to execute and you can execute them uh, together. So that's pretty hot. I really like that stuff. We were talking with a team yesterday about that. Um, It's amazing. I mean, for user uh, flow, but also for like the teams that are building because, you know, you don't have to make all these apps because the, the wallet can just do it. Um, and that's pretty, pretty hot. In, in general, account instruction is amazing because it's going to make it easier for people to, to use crypto. And yeah, I think in general, like 
a lot of what's been happening that's exciting is on the technology side, um, not so much on the finance side, because I feel like at least new builders in the space in DeFi today are forking a lot, maybe starting their own stable coins, maybe doing a solidly fork. It's just like very goose finance. Not another solidly fork. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good liquidity for us stable coins, but it's not, they're not, I mean, it's, it's hard for this stuff to last. Um, one thing that has been very interesting is this focus on uh, revenues, you know, and being profitable. Mm, yeah. uh, we had a huge restructuring in January because after all the craziness in 2022, we stopped being profitable, meaning our emissions were higher than our revenue. And we didn't like that. So in January, we January, February, we really fixed it up. We're back to profitability. Um, it's not, it was not easy. Uh, we had to close a lot of loans. Um, actually, the whole USDC DPEG really helped us out because a lot of loans that were not very profitable kind of exited, uh, which, is, which is quite nice for the protocol and our cost of capital. Uh, but it's not just us. I mean, Chainlink, you know, they're also moving more to profitability. We've had a lot of conversations with them about them changing their business model. So yeah, that's exciting because that signals that maybe we're preparing to last 10 years now. You know, maybe we're not just going to rely on our- What's going on with Chainlink? Like, what have you talked with them about? Um, There's not much I can say. I don't know what I can say, but I can say that they're charging now for things. Oh, they weren't charging before. I think I've heard that as well. And they, you know, because I guess there's so much demand and, you know, Cost yeah, money yeah. To like it's not cheap. There's some cool stuff we can talk with about Chainlink, where they they are working with GMX at the moment to work with those fast oracles, so that uh, you're able to prices quicker and like basically Chainlink just gets a percentage of fees from uh, from GMX. Talk about a profitable protocol, GMX and GLP. Yeah, yeah, very profitable. Um, they really manage the whale game well. And that's something that we're also trying to work on better is managing the whale. What uh, is the game. whale game and how do they manage it so well? Uh, well, think about it like this. Like we are a protocol with 10,000 users, right? A lot mm-hmm. of users, but we're not that big. We're like 65 million in TVL, um, which is great for like the narrative, right? Because we're a protocol that's helping bring the new finance, right? But from a mm-hmm. profitability perspective, even if you look at banks, who drives the money is the big whales. And, you know, GMX has four or five really big whales that bring a lot of fees. And so, and that's important because it's important to make money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because then that brings on the other users. Um, but uh, it's like a mix and match because you also don't want to like, you know, it's supposed to be a decentralized protocol and like, you know, doing too many funny things. Yeah. You know, it's like, we don't have regulations yet. I mean, the Euro- Europeans are trying. But we don't have any solid regulations yet, so you really have to be careful with, you know, how much as a builder you're pushing your product, um, mm. especially to whom, right? You um, mm. could yes. have unwanted second order effects down the road. Yeah, in terms of you know the way you present your protocol and like the way you push your protocol forward, I guess like how how do you guys manage that as you know Cheeto? Because uh, you said you have ten thousand users. A lot of them are small. I used to mention a lot of them are in Argentina. So do you go, do you present yourself more like, hey, like we're a lot, we're just, uh, you're, you're trying not to be too degen per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And because we know we have a lot of people who is like, I mean, they put their money, like they're, they're not okay. With mo- yeah. Money. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, 
I, I want to be able to go back to Argentina. <laughs> the food's amazing. Um, but uh, no, keeping people safe is number one and number two. And having checks and balances is very nice because our DAO doesn't mess around. Like if tomorrow we were to say, you know, we want to switch to a Terra model, they shoot us down because they everybody has the same vibe in the DAO, right? Like let's let's just keep it safe. Even if like we're stay at a $65 million project, I'd rather just be that and be safe than be a $2 billion project that's a house of cards. Were you guys ever mm. approached by Terra? Yeah. Oh, my God. We were not just approached by Terra. We were approached by the friends of Terra, by everybody around Terra. And they were like, you need to integrate. And I was like, I have a thing where I'm trying not to say no so much. I'm trying to be more positive. But mm -hmm. I said no. And I was adamant. Man. I was did like, you, Did they just not pass safe. the vibe check? No. I mean... First, I don't like cults, uh, I'll be mm. I'll be honest. And then second, it's like finance. I mean, it's my thing. And like, you can just tell this was <laughs> going to collapse because the second yeah. people were not so um, confident in the token, it would just go to zero. What do you think made like so many people, like sophisticated funds included, like be like, oh, like do you, uh, go ape into Terra and anchor. Do you think it's the way Do Kwan presented himself as super confident? Do you think it's like, oh, like, they are in it, so like they must know what they're doing. I should be in it too. Like, what do you think was the key? I mean, he—he, he, I mean, he was very good character. I mean, he's good at what he does. Uh, or did I don't know, man. Reputable funds. I feel like we need more reputable fin funds. Yeah, I mean, we need less MBAs and more people that studied finance. You know, and and really Ooh. look at kind of these models because all these like I'm not gonna name names because I'm positive Ben today. Uh, but uh, let's then. just say yes. Let's just say there's some people in this space that run reputable firms that um, make their decisions based on strategic needs as opposed to you know financial risk. Um, mm. And Doquan offered twenty percent return, right? If you're retail, fuck yeah, right? And like we talked to a lot of South American neo banks, and they were all almost forced by their user base to launch. Um, UST staking because that's what people ask for because people want money, right? People want returns. Um, I understand the retail side. I cannot understand how these large firms that I shall not name because Paulo will get mad. How yeah, how they put money in this stuff? Like I can't imagine. I I don't know. Maybe Paulo, you know. So I no idea. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> <Sorry. stop. laughs> okay. I, I want to um, kind of switch the conversation a bit, going back to your DAO, the Chi DAO DAO. And I, I saw uh, earlier this year that you guys delegated some of your Chi to uh, two organizations. Can, can you share a little bit about kind of the motivation behind that and any future plans to keep on doing more? Uh, Pablo, did you want to take it or I can take it? I mean, I, I could totally take it, but I feel like I, I'm not a, del, a delegator. Um, I'm more of a, a delegator. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can take it. Yeah, we've been engaging a lot of communities uh, in this space. Um, the first big one was Franklin Dow, which is, uh, I don't, I, they're not officially affiliated with the University of Pennsylvania, but let's just say it's UPenn students that started it as their blockchain mm -hmm. club. And now it's become this larger entity that they do delegation, they do research, stuff like that. And so we delegated some to them. 
uh, we're probably delegating soon to DeFi Latam, which is like a very active community uh, in South America. And we want to delegate to a bunch of people. And, you know, this is not from the DAO, it's from the team, uh, because, you know, it's important to engage people who wouldn't otherwise have the financial means to participate in this kind of stuff. Um, and universities are very important because like students, yeah, they want to make money like everyone else. But I feel like when you're a student, you have that curiosity, you have that extra, I'm doing it for the doing it, you know, I'm doing it just because I like it kind of mentality. And we want that in the decision making process so that, you know, when people are voting, they're voting not just because they're trying to extract value from the protocol, but because they have a genuine interest in making, seeing if we can make this last a long time or make it as robust as possible. Sorry, you cut off there at the end. That's oh, sorry. Um, what was the last thing you said? Uh, yeah, like student, university students being more, um, you know, open to considerations other than extracting value from a project, right? Especially if you're a delegate, you're not extracting value, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're kind of just making decisions, uh, the best decisions that you think are are going to improve the protocol. And students are in a particular point to do that because, I mean, they're just doing things because they like them. Mm-hmm. And and did uh, these you... students approach you guys or did you guys kind of like source out these, you know, um, delegators and or, or delegate tees? And are you searching for more delegate tees? Uh, they reached out to us. I, we go to a lot of these conferences, the good conferences, I like to call them. Uh yes. Because we like to engage people. I think, like I said, the vibes is everything. So we love going to conferences and talking to people, hearing what they think about the protocol. And in some of these conferences, we've been approached by students, by different organizations that want to become active. Uh, And that's how we met this Franklin Now people. Um, And yeah, I mean, we're always looking for other delegates. Always, always, always. I think the more delegates, the merrier, as long as we're able to keep that quality of delegates. Uh, Yeah. Do you have a cap? Sorry, I mean, as much question. chi as we have, and actually, we're not the largest holders of chi. Most, most people, like the people that have most chi, are like people we have no idea who they are, um, which is nice uh, in some way. But yeah, we can. There's no infinite mint. I was going to ask, what has been the most contentious issue in chi DAO, and how did you guys figure it out? People are very opinionated in our DAO, so. <laughs> There are a lot of contentious things. Paolo, what, what was one that the thing that like really stuck out? You know that like re- you're like, oh damn, this is like a real argument right here. I mean, we had we had fights about the fight. We had arguments about uh, about Terra uh, mm. right within the community because people are like degens. Yeah, why I don't you add it like add UST? We want a UST. That was that's so fun. There's some, yeah. um, vault incentives. We had those for over a year. And, you know, when it came time to basically tone down the spending, because, you know, we're not making money, uh, the, like the protocol is not receiving the same amount of income. So as the, we're putting out, uh, a lot of users might have come oh, in, you know, and it wasn't like a, a nice site to see as they were, just not it was just like a couple of users but they were just not there for the vibes they were there to just their bad conversations with no extract value really i mean yeah we had a gauge where every week you could vote on what the what vaults were going to receive vault incentives 
to mint my um and it just ended up being whales playing the whale game um and we did the math and most people weren't the the more profitable worlds weren't receiving incentives so we felt very comfortable with like stopping it um mm. At zero percent interest loans, guys, come on! Like, you know, it's like how greedy can you be? Zero I know, interest. You know. <laughs> this is exactly a conversation we had because people were like, "Oh, come on, everyone's gonna repay and the protocol is gonna go to crap." But I'm like, guys, it's zero percent interest loans. You can have the cake, but you can't eat it too. You know. So, what makes a profitable vault? Like, what makes a successful vault? Well, it's all about cost of capital. I mean, I, 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 we, like, we talked um, about that. yeah, yeah. I'm like, Paul is like, fuck, man. This guy's talking about cost of capital again. <laughs> it's all about cost of capital. How much you're spending on my and your market cap divided by your market cap. So, like, you're talking about emissions. You're talking about on like LPs, any use cases that you're incentivizing. That's your cost of capital because that's what it costs to the protocol when somebody mints my. Uh, for us, it's like two percent around, uh, and so. Making sure we're making that every time somebody mints my is very important. And it doesn't have to be uh, directly from the user. There's many like jujitsu ways of making money that Could don't you... involve taking it from oh, the hold, user. Hold on. Uh... I, I'll take over for a sec. Um, so, could oh, you. Wait, I had a. I know. Oh, I... Apologies for Pablo here, but can you please double click on this cost of capital for me? As yeah. this is the first time that I've heard a DAO or, or rather a founder <laughs> of any DeFi project mention this word, cost of capital. Yeah. 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 I, Go yeah. ahead. We were we were looking at uh, when we were thinking about increasing our fees or maybe changing how we do things. We're like, OK, how do we choose how much to charge? Right. It feels like it's kind of like just subjective. Like uh, I remember seeing Mim started to charge 8% on like minting. 8%? Yeah, I, I, I am not Jesus. judging. I'm not judging. That's a lot. Although <laughs> this is me being positive. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they're charging 8%. And so I was like, huh, I wonder how people make decisions. And then I was like, wait, Benjamin, you study finance. How would you make this decision? Like, <laughs> there must be a cost, right? Every time somebody mints Frax, every time somebody mints my, mints die, there is a cost associated with that, that it's, uh, like, you know, paid for by the people minting it, right? For people like Dai, for people like Frax, it's pretty low. It's like close to zero. And there's many reasons for that, uh, particularly that you have a lot of these like legacy pools, like Dai benefits greatly from Curve, right? Because they have the three CRV pool. Frax benefits amazingly from the AMOs, right? Because that's 0%, right? You don't pay... For that, in fact, it could even yeah, be perceived. Plus. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's actually possible to make because yeah. you're making yeah. the emissions right. Um, for newer stable coins like MIM, like MY, like uh, others like that, um, you have to more consciously think about how you're building up liquidity, and that costs money. Um, and so we've been able to lower it a lot. I, I think at one point it was like six, seven percent was our cost of capital. And so we lowered it all the way down to like uh, two, sometimes sub two. It gets depends on what solidly points are launching. Um, <laughs> but this that's, based on that, I was like, okay, now we know what our cost basis is. We can make a decision on the on the amount that we're charging. And you know, we're acutely aware of everyone's cost of capital, and we make strategic decisions based on that information. So, can you walk us to an example? Uh, with a cost of capital of you know of just minting a stable coin. 
Yeah, for an example, for example, I have ETH, I mint my, so I have one my. On average, most people don't sell that my. Most people farm the my. Some people just keep it in their wallet because they just want to hold my. I don't know why. Don't ask me. But some people hold it, just hold it. There's a lot of people. Monetary premium increasing of mine right there. Yeah. Uh, so, and then there's some people that sell it because they want to lever, they want to buy a car, they want to buy a coffee. I don't know. They sell it. And so each of those has a cost associated with it because somebody's selling your token, pet goes down, right? Somebody's farming your token, APR on the farm goes down, which means it can accommodate less liquidity. Somebody's holding it. I love you because we're not paying for you. <laughs> Uh, you know, and so there's uh, like, different, like, uh, there's different kind of dynamics. I thought, well, that sounds really hard to calculate. Why would we ever go through each of those and try to calculate it? Screw that. We're on 25 chain. What's the simplest way of doing this? Well, look at how much you're spending on all these different use cases. And, you know, think about that as a, uh, in relation to the market cap, everybody's like mints, right? Um, and you are, you're going to arrive at the same number. And so that's kind of how we figured it out. Oh, so you calculate, what specifically do you calculate the... Yeah, so for example, to accommodate for the person leveraging, to accommodate for the people uh, farming, we spend money, uh, emissions on fees, oh, okay. maybe on use cases, and, and those use cases is like the cost. Oh, okay. So instead of going through like every little like you know, you, whatever user's doing, it's yeah. like, okay, what we're doing with emissions and other activities. Exactly. Exactly. And everybody has different amounts. Um, we are very cross chain, like we're in 25 chains and we're, uh, yeah. we're a relatively small project to be on so many chains. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, we're an Aave on a bunch of chains and, and that comes with some challenges, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's good because we're able to, um, you know, reach larger audiences and, you know, cater to these kind of like lower income. I, I don't want to say lower income. If you're in crypto, you're not lower income because you have yeah. money to save. But, um, you know, it means we have to have a higher percentage of our market cap in LPs compared to a protocol, let's say, that's just on BNB or that's just on Ethereum. Yeah, that must be a challenge with uh, fractured liquidity across all these different chains. It is a challenge. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, if you're a Metis and you want to bridge $2 million to Polygon, and then to Moonbeam, and then to Aurora. The only option you have is mine. Literally the only option. I mean, like, it's just the infrastructure is just not there today. Um, and so we kind of want to be there. That's kind of like our niche, uh, allowing people to, like, move around the chains like that. Um, and, you know, solving the whale question is going to be very important to scaling our project in order to have more mice for people to play around with. So what does my currently use for bridging? Are you guys partnered with, you know, something like multi-chain or, or do you guys, you know, do something else like Frax Ferry? Like how do you guys approach bridging? Yeah. Pablo can talk about this. I mean, awesome. When we started bridging, nothing existed. So yeah. The, I mean, at the beginning it was like every bridge approaching us saying, Hey, you should totally go on this chain and mint only with us. Only with us, yeah, like exclusive we'll deal authority, and like you'll just bridge over, and then there's a token on the other chain, and you can do stuff. And <laughs> from like you go, you're looking at it now, and you're like, oh, that's easy. But like two years later, what happens? You know, like uh, the bridge gets hacked, or you want to use another bridging technology, and you're kind of stuck. So 
at least the first step for going multi-chain was figuring out how do you always as a protocol own the minting authority on each chain and then looking at how do you enable other bridges to have access to that um, liquidity on those other chains so that you have this canonical uh, my because looking at it from a bird's eye view you're gonna get these account abstraction tools you're gonna get a lot of relaying you're gonna get a lot of tooling that will make users not care what chain they're on and so having my be canonical canonical meaning that it's the same one on every chain you're mm -hmm. able to well pay for something on one chain and it will be the same price the same token on the other chain uh, maybe there's a small premium based on the chain that it's on and the bridging costs but overall you're able to build something that is usable on almost every single chain so basically instead of you know i bridge to let's say i'm bridging from manic to avalanche I'm not like wrapping the mine, it's wrapped by an avalanche. No, you're burning the my on mat on Polygon and then minting new canonical my on Avalanche. Is that the right way to view the process? Or am I missing something? No, effectively. I mean it, there's a period of time where those bridges lock it and then you know they mint it on the other side, but then they get the they effectively go to my on Avalanche and say, Give me this, I have a wrapper that says that I have some on the other chain. Oh, uh, so there's yeah. some wrapping going on with second Yeah, they can't, they can't mint it. I mean, nobody uh, but Cheetah can mint Mai. And so what they do is they're swapping, let's say, multi-chain Mai with canonical Mai. Or uh, Stargate okay, so, with canonical Mai. And we okay. limit each of those bridges on how mm -hmm. much they can swap based on usage. And also, we try to keep the, the Mai sword in each bridge pretty even across the bridges. Because we think that the best course of action is decentralized. I mean, diversification. You know, putting your eggs in different baskets. Because and I keep going back to diversification, man. I sound like a broken record, but it's important. I mean, it's a cornerstone of finance. It's diversification. Right. Yeah, I don't know about absolutely. bridges. I don't know how what makes a bridge safe. I mean, I I know what makes a bridge safe, but I'm not technical. So for me, it's about any bridge can get hacked. Let's you know split up our odds. So is there like a like one type of way of bridging that's better than another or are they just like different ways to achieve the same result um uh, right now most of them are just groups of nodes groups of people kind of or computers coming together in a consensus algorithm but now you have to trust the ballot poll you gotta trust where they vote you gotta trust their computers you gotta trust that no one missed the their bus to get to the ballot so th there's just a lot of... That's why Frax has a ferry. It's always on time. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is bad weather. I don't know. <laughs> no, this is an indestructible ferry. Can weather mm -hmm. any storm or hurricane. Yeah. Man, it's, it's a very interesting like problem to solve. And I think that we're nearing a lot of cool implementations uh, now with CK and being able Ooh. to, you know, bridge and verify information from different chains. I'm sorry, um, I'm, I'm looking for the alpha police badge. Uh, some Paulus wait, wait, uh, starting wait, to some alpha here. Uh, <laughs> We're deep into the interview and Pablo uh, shows his power levels finally. Let's go into the ZK bridge alpha. What have you seen? Oh man, we've seen a lot of awesome ways where, you know, uh, CK roll up for example, 
can read into the data from the L1 and actually prove it. And so then it's very cool because you're not dealing with just a sequencer or just a like a specialized node that provides the data into a layer two, but you can actually verify the information within one chain. So for example, within um, uh, within Qidao on CKVM on Polygon, you know, we can have a, an oracle such as API3, um, which we've been looking at it for the last few days, it looks really good. Um, but also maybe have a fallback where we verify the price on Chainlink and that's the fallback Oracle. And so that type of uh, CK integration where you, you're basically messaging in almost a trustless way, you can do very similar setups for uh, bridging. Mm. When, you're, when you were talking about ZK right, right there, um, I was... I just learned about Axiom yesterday for the first time and how it takes historical data. I guess it could like take the historical data of a chain and verify that like, oh, you bridged over or like, oh, like you, you actually did that. Is that a, am I correct there? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's in general, um, how it would work. Basically you can verify that activity has happened on one chain or another. Um, it just gets on a way cooler level once you can actually verify it and not just trust that someone put in the block hash and then you derive, you know, the transaction from that block. Not just a trust me, bro, but actual, like it's there. It's like trustless, bro. (laughs) Do not trust me, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Don't not just trust. Do not trust me, bro. Verify, Mm -hmm. verify me, bro. (laughs) Uh, But I think having that canonical structure means that like, we're ready for the new technology. Because right now, I mean, it's an acknowledgement that the technology is not there today. And mm. then as we continue to evolve, we've made the project in a way that it's flexible and you can upgrade the bridging infrastructure. Yeah. Speaking of uh, getting ready and positioning yourselves in the right way, what are the future plans of mine? Can you share any parts of your roadmap? Maybe a little breadcrumbs of alpha for our listeners? Pablo, the purveyor of Alpha, do you want to? <laughs> <start? laughs> um, we have so many things planned. But if yeah. you can just, you the know, people that are listening to this podcast are the power users. They're the people that you want to reach. So do we sort by recently added, alphabetical, by <laughs> modified by size? We, we sort by high to low, highest alpha first. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, the, the most biggest attractive. Thing- yeah, yeah, the most attractive one is uh, a change that we're doing on uh, 80-20 migration, which if you're keeping track of our snapshot, you would have seen that we're doing a, a migration of uh, the staking model and the the automation of, uh, well... Uh, it's not staking, it's actually locking. I wanted to... Uh, oh, out. yes. <laughs> it's a forbidden word. <laughs> <laughs> um, 80-20, but Ben, I will prefer if you come up with the, the better words here. Yeah, yeah. So it's just we got to be careful with how do we represent these kind of things. So we have a, a thing where you can lock your um, governance token. Um, and it's mostly meant to amplify your voting power. It's very similar to what CRV has, VECRV. Mm-hmm. And we've had that for over two years now. I mean, not over two years, but not that old. For two years now. <laughs> Um, and it allows people to receive 
fees from the protocol as well as amplify their voting power. But the problem is you're, you know, you're giving fees to this and at the same time you're paying for liquidity for your government's token, which is annoying, right? Uh, right now, 90%, I mean, not 90%, 60% of our market cap is stored in this locking uh, mechanism. Um, and so the idea is, what if we can turn that into liquidity? Oh. Right? Right now, we pay about a million bucks a year in value for incentives to maintain chi liquidity. You know how much mm -hmm. money we make out of that? I mean, zero. We don't make any money from there being chi liquidity, right? Um, we don't assign any value to chi. So, uh, you know, for everyone watching. It's a valueless governance token, guys. Exactly, exactly. You know, what, we silly people. Um, but <laughs> paying uh, a million for it. So, okay. I see where yeah. you're going. But in, uh, in any case, being able to have that liquidity locked for four years without having to pay for it other than the fees earned by the protocol, very nice. And so we're working with the balancer guys and with uh, certain uh, penguins that can't fly uh, to, to <laughs> do the migration. Is there like a whole gang of penguins? Pablo's leaving. <laughs> no, it's just Pablo. Pablo LARPing is different penguins. <laughs> Schizo penguin. Many yes. identities. Oh. But that's very, that was a contentious vote. I mean, there was a lot of back and forth. We had so many people vote uh, on the DAO. So many opinions. It was like a, a month of discussions in the Discord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Psycho Penguin has a couple of more um, alphas. Um, we're also, we kind of mentioned earlier about the, uh, the account abstraction. That's something that's very exciting for us because you're able to now, I mean, with account abstraction, you can, with four, sorry, not any account abstraction, account 4337, you're able to now mm -hmm. do a paymaster and basically accept my, for example, as payment for transactions in a very quick way. So that type of integration is going to serve us really well because now instead of having to have BNB or having to have AVAX, which I don't know if you guys have, I mean, you're a very cross-chain product. So you, when you look at, oh, we're launching on Kava. Fuck. Where do I get Kava? Like... You, you bridge and you suddenly like you got know, many such cases, cases. <laughs> right and so having this ability to uh move to a new chain and be able to pay for transactions with a single token is uh pretty useful and uh expands the well the token's use case hmm. nice and um kit i'm gonna steal your favorite question uh what oh. does success <laughs> look like for my what is my look like like the uh, best case scenario for my like you know few years from now sorry kid <laughs> um there are these levels um that we want to reach in different stages um for example when you when we first go to a chain uh it starts with my you have my on the chain available there's liquidity um once there's enough liquidity and the chain is you know, performant, you can download, you know, the, the DLC for lending. And that DLC allows users to borrow or generate my against those collaterals. Um, you get an Aave, et cetera. You get an, uh, like a central swap. Maybe you get perpetuals. And so looking at the abilities, the DLCs that the chains have, we, we want to reach a point where those are standardized and basically decentralized in an operational way where one click deploy one, but it's deployed on chain using a, a more automated models. Um, 
So overall is being able to be less brittle as, uh, as you all know, a lot of, a lot of systems in the, in the crypto right now are, are, are brittle, you know, and that mm -hmm. just means, you know, something happens. It's very difficult for the system to continue to evolve. Um, for, for example, if I don't know, a multi-sig on a rollup, uh, you lose the multi-sig signers. Well, maybe now you can't execute emergency activity or upgrades. So now you're stuck with that version, which in itself may not necessarily be awful, but if there's a big emergency, it could turn. Really it's bad. immutable. Yeah. 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 That's the problem with immutability. Like it's, one thing is automation. The other thing is making it immutable. Mm -hmm. And like Paula said, we're in so many chains. Nobody's automated a project over that many chains. Nobody. I mean, everybody's dealing, and you guys know. I mean, you're in so many chains. Oh, it's except this, beefy. beefy, yeah. Love I it. mean, beefy is amazing, but even beefy has their own issues because, like, they. I mean, they they don't have to have it connect with each other, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, but that's that's a different project, I guess. But like the governance part and making it cross chain is very difficult, and nobody has figured it out. Everybody yeah. uses multi six. I mean, um, but hopefully, eventually, we're able to work it out. Yeah, how do you guys handle like uh, all that infra and on all these different chains? It sounds like a lot because I remember at Gelato, like whenever somebody wanted to set up on a new chain, it's like, all right, we got to bring over everything, like the tooling and this and that. But um, I guess like, is it different with a stable? I guess it's different with a stable coin. It might be more yeah, straightforward. We've evolved a lot. At the beginning, we, we, I mean, we're pretty happy about using the graph, for example, and like shout learning. out the graph. Right, like deploying with them and like using those, but realized fairly quickly that if you have many contracts, it can get very complicated and you have to deploy a new subgraph for everyone. Then there's new versions of the subgraph runtime. If you don't, if you're not potentially redeploying, you kind of get stuck on an older version, which might not necessarily index all your data. Uh, mm -hmm. There might be an RPC that missed a block and suddenly that, that change of data doesn't appear. And then we have users wondering, like, hey, why am I not here? Uh, I definitely click create. Uh, we tried centralized providers, such as, I think it was cool. And it just didn't work? No, no. They, like, it would go down, and suddenly we need a backup. <laughs> We're like, sorry, we can't load these right now. Yeah, um, especially for the new chains, right? Mm. Like, the, it's just very hard. But I think over the, over the months and years, Paula, right, we've, we kind of got in the groove. Like the first chain was painful, and then second chain was very painful. You guys were on Polygon first, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Polygon, Phantom, Solana. You, um, Solana. Are you guys yeah. still doing stuff on Solana? We we did bridging because we thought it was important for people to be able to bridge value to Solana. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm yeah. Out of the advice of my Poss lawyer, <laughs> I'm getting no, uh, positive. <laughs> Benjamin, yeah. uh, Solana is amazing, but we you know we're focusing on other just as amazing opportunities. What is the most positive recent chain? Benjamin. Po positive Benjamin and Pablo the Penguin. Love the yes. energy. Mm. Um, yeah. What is the most recent chain um, that you guys deployed to? Because 25, I, I don't know if I can name 25 chains off the top of my head. You know, we kind of halted going to every chain and kind of focusing on where the users really wanted us to be. Um, the last chain that we did like stuff on, like in the frontier, I think was like Moonbeam. Okay, Moonbeam. Like oh, yeah. On top of Polkadot. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very nascent when it comes to like their understanding of DeFi. And so we thought if we want to scale, 
maybe we should focus on the chains where DeFi is more commonplace. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. then on the other hand, like cool chains that we just deployed on CKVM. Ooh. Oh yeah, CKVM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, ZKVM, of course. Yeah. yeah. With because of their fast bridges, you know, we actually are using their uh, the bridge to Yeah, the official bridge. So we'll it's be, a nice bridge. Yeah, it's a really nice bridge. It's I a really mean, nice bridge. Wow. It's freestanding. I, I bridges all the time. I it's a freestanding suspension bridge made yeah. of steel. Exactly. Yeah. Smooth. Yeah. No, I mean the wind breezes by you as you walk by. No, it's really, <laughs> it's really so, nice. Bridge, yeah. drinks. It's it's fantastic. Like the quality yeah. of service there, man. Sponsored yeah. by. Or we can put sponsored by Polygon. You know. <laughs> ZK EVM Polygon. Shout out Hermes. Oh yeah, <laughs> Hermes. Oh. I um I actually wanted to you know double click on my favorite question, which is uh, you know what the success look like. But I want to know from a do you guys have a numerical KPI metric of success? Like we want X supply of my, or we want to be on Y number of chain, or like what is that? Um, I think you know there's always like you want to be twenty billion, right? Like obviously you want to be. As but big do as you? Possible. You want to yeah. be 69 billion. Like I want to be big, but I want to be smaller than the largest so that they can deal with the mean people in the, <laughs> in the US. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I think my, my thing, I would love to lower our cost of capital uh, below 1%. It would be nice. And um, increase our spread, maybe 2 3% spread between revenue per my and cost per my. That would be very nice. Wow. Um, you're truly the yeah. finance guy. Kid is definitely yeah. salivating over yeah. these, and I, this terminology. I, 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 I want to ask, I, what, why is that so important? Like, why is this cost of capital like idea so important to get as close to zero as possible? Like, th does the treasury end up keeping more chi for the the future or more like, cheese? Why more why? cheese? <laughs> you know, it's so important because I want to charge as least as possible so that people want to use us. We can't charge very low if our cost of capital is very high. And that's a strategic uh, threat because if another stable coin comes and they have a lower cost of capital, they can beat us um, by just having lower fees, the Walmart model, right? And so that's very important to us. Uh, also, I mean, the lower the cost, the higher the profit, right? And that's important for those that have been loyally following us for the last two years. Um, those loyal chimps. Those loyal chimps, yeah. Those loyal simps that are... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, <laughs> we, we, we've gone far in this interview. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to compliment one last point. Like this, I am so happy to hear how financially shrewd uh, Cheetow is on this because a lot of projects just think of like, you know, oh, we'll get TVL by liquidity mining and literally completely give zero thought onto what that really means and what is that cost to it. But you've got yeah, it down to a science. to scale, like, without doing some AMOs or stuff like that. Because if you think about like um, the life of an LP, you can increase the reward on an LP all you want. But let's say you, you have an LP that's supposed to have $20 billion. At some point, it's not going to, at some point, the APR is going to like stop leveling off and just keep going up because there's not that much liquidity. And so you can't really just scale by increasing liquidity mining. Um, mm. And so, and I think that's something that we're all going to face, especially outside of Ethereum, 
where uh, maybe there's not so many so many like AMO plays you can make. Um, how do you scale liquidity on these chains? And it's a question we haven't answered. And liquidity mining is definitely not the answer. Pablo, you have any thoughts? It's definitely something that we've been thinking a ton. I mean, the most recent example was like base chain and OP and looking at the different mm -hmm. bedrocks. Um, it may mean that, you know, we need a new type of primitive that works on a chain that is connected to another chain that has money or liquidity. Because, yeah, of course, they're going to have money within that chain. But, like, having a way to connect to it, to be able to say, I want to do something and I want to get something else back. And it bridges, it swaps and transfers back in an atomic way. Doable. Um, but uh, doable. Is it doable with ZK? Potentially. It would, I mean, in the OP side, they, they do. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, optimistic. Yeah. yeah, optimistic. But it still works in a way that is kind of first class. Um, so, I mean, personally, I think CK is the way just because it's more verifiable and secure. Um, but having that ability to where you may have a gaming chain, but you don't you don't need all the DeFi perks and the DeFi swaps right. and the perks and everything. You just want to be able to, I don't know, get USDC because, I don't know, you want to transfer it back to uh, base chain and then to Coinbase. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you provide that in a way that's sustainable where maybe we have... I think Animoca started a new metaverse or something, but let's assume, you know, a company like that, they, they create a token on OP and now they have like three chains and every chain is a game. You know, you want to get some tokens in that, in that chain to be able to play or, or get some characters or whatever, swap in and out, but you go to the, like the heart chain, which is uh, OP. Mm -hmm. um, th there's some mm -hmm. interesting things I would highly recommend looking through like the documentation on CKVM for Polygon because they have a, uh, the FX, uh, FX bridge. And that is a very interesting model where you can like basically ping data uh, from L1, L2 and um, potentially from other chains as well. So going from like any other chain to CKVM. I have a, a final question. Um, so, you know, for those that have made it this far in this interview, um, a little bit more alpha, but nothing, but specifically what is a yield strategy that people can utilize with mine like what is your favorite farming yield strategy in the current moment well you know I, i'm high on my supply so i can you know alphabetical chronological you know which way you want it but i'll give you my favorite um you know you can take st okay i'll actually no you can't take i this is what i do and i'm not saying this is a financial advice so i'm going to tell you what i do you know, I take STEs, ETH LPs, you know, from Curve. I put them on Beefy and I'm making a killer, you know, I don't know, five, 6% plus the LDO boost. And then I'm like, you know, let's have more. So then I put it on my, and then I borrow my, you know, at 0% interest, mind you. This zero right, zero zero percent. And then it doesn't <laughs> stop. This is crazy. There's more. Lido, wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. Lido pays me 15% APR in LDO weekly for minting this mine that I minted at 0% uh, interest. Yearly, but dispersed weekly. Yeah, APR. Yeah, annualized. <laughs> and then there's more. There's more. I take that mine and I put it on Velodrome because I fucking love Velodrome. 
and I farm, I don't know, I get like 15 to 20% on, uh, on, uh, my frags, for example. Um, and it's amazing. Honestly, Belgium is one of my favorite, uh, if not the, my favorite, uh, solidity fork is Belgium. They've done a great job on optimism there. Yeah. And so now I'm huddling my ETH waiting for it to go back to the sky and I'm doing it while I'm earning a pretty good penny on, on this strategy. Again, this is what I'm doing and maybe it doesn't work for everyone. Okay. That, that is uh, sweet, sweet, sweet yield. Uh, Pablo, do you have a, a similar strategy? Do you have, do you do something different? Do you get high on your own supply? Hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of stable coins. I prefer stability and like have a lot of stable coins just in case, and then have a, you know, your betting amounts. So, you know, mm-hmm. I hold on a lot of ETH. Just so you're the one practicing risk management. Well, right. fine. Uh, <laughs> I spent all my we risk management. Bull run, you know, we, ETH went yeah. down to 900 bucks. Everyone was thinking this is all dead. And I'm like, literally looked at the chart and I'm like, this is, no, like it's just going to go back up now. This is basically we're testing a low and it's going to go up. But you, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I prefer, you know, I put it in my, I put it in SD if need be. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent on simple simple strategies where you can easily move it around. So if I do SD, I'll, I'll borrow and sit on mine. Uh, you know, actually a simple one, you know, for my non degen friends out there, Frax My Baseball. That's Frax My. My Frax Baseball. There's so many words in that. Uh, we have a nice LP on Ethereum. I think it's like three mil right now. Are we trying to rename the, the My Frax Baseball? It's My Baseball, right? Uh, <laughs> my, my, it, it's That's our baseball. Really it's our ba- <laughs> yeah. baseball, right? Like, um, it's amazing. It's like three mil. It's like fifty percent boosted APR Ooh. in CRV. I know you guys like CRV or Red Frax. Mm-hmm. You can't get enough of it. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a really good one on Ethereum. Yeah, that is some nice alpha. Thank you for that. And uh, and I'm doing it at my own risk because I'm I'm also it's, it, it's only that. his. Yeah. And so like I can only go down in the APR, but that's how much I like your audience. You know. Yeah. I'm willing to share that. <laughs> and uh, himself. Our, our, uh, we at Flywheel appreciate it, all of us. So thank you. And thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, this, thanks for having us. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. Learned a lot. Um, even more excited about my than I was before, and I was really excited about it already. And um, I'm excited to see like how you guys partner with Frax and to see uh, Frax ETH as collateral in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's we're super excited about that. Um, I love having a synthetic ETH. I think it's super fucking smart. And if it goes any way like uh, Frax did, it's gonna be huge. And we want to be a part of that. And we want to help help in Hell the yeah. building of it. And, Hell and, yeah! And as Frax ETH loved, I love staked ETH. Anything that's ETH that's earning money, I am there. I am, <laughs> and so. Your first positive Benjamin on the max right now. Just cranking. <laughs> I think I get two no's for the day after this. You know, I, 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 I just see Pablo's face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sweet. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, happy birthday to my. Um, excited yeah. to have the super, super meetup later. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. I'll see you guys in pretty soon. I'll see you guys in a yeah. Okay, bye bye. Thanks, guys. Welcome, everybody, to the post game of Flywheel. Today, we had on 
the Cheetow guys, Pablo the Penguin, and Benjamin. Uh, positive and this, Benjamin. Positive Benjamin. And this was a great interview. They had such a funny dynamic and also like great chemistry. I can see how like one of the first questions I asked was like, all right, what's the dynamic? Like Benjamin, you're the finance guy, Pablo, you're computer guys. You guys must compliment each other really well. And in fact, you can see that actually play out in the interview, um, which I found to be pretty cool and pretty entertaining. Uh, Kit, what did you think of this one? Man, I am, well, I, I'm just going to have a, a major sim session on uh, a positive Benjamin because <laughs> he was just a man after my heart talking about capital and how a project needs to think about that. And I was like, yes, like, yes that is I've been waiting for that. I was like, this is not free. And then I was like, yeah. So anyways, uh, for all the, the DAO builders and anybody who think about launching a project, listen to what Benjamin really talks about when it comes to that cost of capital and really internalize it and apply that framework to your favorite, you know, current DeFi project and see how well they're doing. Like, I, I think you, you guys are learning a ton, but that, that was my favorite part. Yeah. And I'm still trying to, I mean, I understand cost of capital, but I'd like to hear more examples of it before I feel comfortable explaining it in my own words, because it's definitely more of a financial concept than, you know, my bread and butter of philosophy and describing technology. Um, how would you describe uh, like cost of capital? Uh, can you give your own example of that? So I'll, I'll give a example of normal business, right? So mm -hmm. a normal business needs cash to operate, whether mm -hmm. it be cash to, um, you know, pay salary or cash to pay for Amazon web credits, like whatever it is, they need this cash to pay. And the cost of capital is simply how much they have to spend in order to acquire this cash. And it usually comes mm -hmm. in two forms, either bonds or rather debt or equity. So that is your cost of capital is how when you issue a bond, how much people pay, you, uh, how much you have to pay in percentage terms for people to lend you money. And on the mm. equity side, how much dilution must you give in order for you to get this cash in the door? Okay, right. that makes more sense. Yeah. So, it, you know, when you yeah. apply that to, to crypto, it's basically the, the, more of the, quote, equity portion, right? Because it's not really a debt. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's awesome to see someone apply that. Now, apply that to governments and the U.S. government issuing bonds. And they're costing, <laughs> it's like at that scale, it's like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, the cost of capital is zero because they can just keep printing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's realistically. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, so do you have a, a favorite other than the cost of capital? And there's a lot of parts you probably really liked, but what is your favorite part of this interview? I, I think the Dow bit, honestly, mm. the, um, how, how they take such a, uh, like their Dow philosophy, also their Taoist philosophy. No pun intended. <laughs> it, it, like I'm very impressed. Uh, I, I really want to know how the voter turnout is and what's causing people to care so much. To, to really have this and how do you kind of enforce this vibe across the whole community i don't think there's any enforcing the vibe just yeah. comes yeah um i had a how about you dave thinking, what's your favorite there are a few i really enjoyed when they were talking about bridges um and you know how they view bridges and how like they work with bridges i liked like diving into that more because they're they talked about being on 25 chains that's a lot to manage so i like diving into that a bit and talking about you know the future of bridging with ZK proofs and all that. Um, Cause, um, and what else? I really enjoy talking about um, the beginning, like the philosophy of the DAO, cause I'm a big fan of Alan Watts. 
Um, there are, um, and I just enjoy, I enjoy Pablo and Ben and just talking to them because I've known them for a while. Uh, they've been heads down building for a long time. And uh, it's, I'm not surprised that they're like one of the few that have survived. Um, and oh yeah, one of my other favorite parts was uh, when, <laughs> when Pablo, I mean, when uh, Benjamin was talking about Terra and how they had all these like, you know, different like VCs and, re- and quote unquote reputable firms come up to them and they still stood their ground where like, no. Like we're gonna stay true to our values, um, you know. We're only gonna work with pe- we're only gonna work with people that align with those values, and I really I really respect that a lot. Yeah, it's clear that Cheetah is a very value driven project, and I yeah. I'm even more interested in them now, way more than before. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna use them now? Like, I mean, that's uh, some nice alpha at the end. I was gonna Benjamin say, just going to say, it's just going off. Yeah. <laughs> just going, dude, that I, looping. I, I might, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then yes. wait, there's, there's more. more. He said that, he said like yeah. that three times. Yeah, I, I might just do a copy pasta exactly what he's doing. And then it's just, yeah. we all got a bag of ETH, you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. it's, it, sounds, it sounds pretty nice. I thought it was quite interesting how they have 10 more users, like significantly, like three mm. times as many users then uh, die. You have like 10,000 users using my, um, and I think that speaks a lot to where, you know, crypto is now and how expensive Ethereum is. And like, that's always been the case, but you know, them being multi-chain, like starting off like that and being a lot cheaper to open these CDP vaults um, and them having more users. Um, I really, I hope their community just all gets rich and like really wins. And so then they can have bigger vaults and then they can just have more and they can just keep going and keep building. Yeah. Um, they want to be successful, but as Benjamin said, like not too successful. They want, they basically want like want to be number die in frax. <laughs> yeah. They want, they want basically like want die in frax and kind of like the line of uh, fire per se, or like, they, like leading the way. And then like, they're just like behind and like having their own niche. And they, I think they've done a really good job building that niche of, yep. you know, yep. of, providing their the whole philosophy is how can we have the lowest cost of capital oh you know zero percent uh cdp cdp vaults um oh like we're gonna do these like little things here and there um so i really like the way they're building i really like how they're building their own you know lane for themselves um and you know they went they go the way of the Dow. um 100 agreed and i also like that they took a very open approach to partnerships and they, they kind of own that, you know, they, they really own that. And they go out there, if there's value, they partner up. And most importantly, before that, they check the vibe first. The vibe check, yeah. Dude, yeah, so yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I hope we can, I can find that picture of uh, Pablo in the pirate shoes <laughs> with, with Stani again. Yeah. I think I know exactly the one you're talking about. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> I, when you said it, I was like, oh, that I kind of like. I kind of remember seeing that somewhere. Um, but do you have any uh, final thoughts on this interview? Um, what do you think users, what do, what do you think is your biggest takeaway? My, my biggest key takeaway is the cost of capital. Anybody building it and thinking about actually doing, you know, a project, you get a chance to start fresh and really think about what it is your project's cost of capital. And for mm-hmm. those who are these legacy DeFi projects who are kind of like printing money or, or rather this uh, uh, on, on borrowed money, they should also reassess and use this framework to think about it deeply. I agree. Um, I think my biggest takeaway other than the cost of capital is the vibe check, you know, gotta you know work with people and projects that you vibe with. 
um, and don't fade your first intuition on things because usually you're right. Yeah. And uh, don't fade us. And if you don't ever want to fade us, make sure you hit that bell button and subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest alpha. Something like Benjamin will happen again and you want to make sure you catch it. Leave us a comment below. Let us know what you think. Give us a like. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at FlywheelDeFi. Join the conversation on Telegram at FlywheelDeFi. We want to hear from you. We also want to see your submissions to you at the FRAX Educational Incentives Program. That is a program where you can go enter your thread, enter your article, beginner or advanced, enter your infographic, and as well as enter your Dune dashboard for FXS rewards and prizes. So make sure you go and enter that. Hit us up in the Telegram, Flywheel DeFi, if you have any questions. And make sure you hit me up on Twitter, at DeFiDave22. You can hit me at 0x capital underscore K. And subscribe to our Substack. We'll see you next week, FlywheelAlpha.com. Go, 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 Peace. Go, 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 Peace. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and is not in investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.